A word of warning. This episode of What Happened Was True contains descriptions of assault and sexual violence. Listener discretion advised. Good evening, Fright fans. Welcome to the horror podcast that takes a deep dive into the stories that inspire our favorite horror movies. Join us for movie night as we find out for ourselves if... What happened was true. Only the names have been changed. Did I ever tell you my theory about Family Guy? What's your theory? My theory is that Meg from Family Guy, the reason why they hate on her so much is that they know she's not the original Meg. But didn't they hate on the... Oh, actually, I don't remember how they treated the Lacey Chabert, Meg. They never treated her bad. In fact, they treated her like a loved one. Like, they treated her like a normal daughter. It wasn't until the second season when she was replaced by Mila Kunis that they started talking crap to her. They started abusing her. Even Stewie was nicer to Meg until the second season. Yeah. Huh. Not only that, okay. throughout Family Guy, they reference having another kid. They mentioned having a kid who died. Like they make that joke in several episodes in the Wait, later seasons. And you think that they're talking about the original Meg? I'm convinced that Meg died and they replaced her with a, either a clone or a, a copy that they all. And they just, just resent her. <laughs> they just resent her because they know that's not their Meg. There's moments where they acknowledge that Stewie is smart. He could have replaced Meg via time travel, alter dimension, clone, whatever. And then they just kind of let it go, but then they still hate and resent the new Meg. That's stupid. <laughs> why, why is that stupid? <laughs> Sorry. I, I guess I'm just, I'm very negative. Hate fan theories? No, just that one doesn't make sense because if they don't like her, then why not get a better version? Well, it's just they don't like the Meg that's not theirs. Well, they could get a better one or reconstruct her or something. They could just kill her. I was assuming that maybe they had to keep her because they're somehow like, they're like aware that they're on a TV show and they're just like, well, we have to fucking replace Meg now. And she's like a terrible version. We're making fan theories on more fan theories. <laughs> they did that on The Simpsons. They did? Yeah, The Simpsons did it. Where they replaced Lisa with a hot, tall, blonde Lisa for that, <laughs> for that one behind the music episode. <laughs> they did that on The Simpsons. Anyway. Okay. So. So I'm Lex. I'm Amber. <laughs> and joining us today for movie night, we have Mel back again. Hey guys, what's going on? You sound so tired, Mel. I'm trying. <laughs> Want coffee? I'm drinking coffee right now. It's not <laughs> working. Not like, ah, fuck it. Whatever. I'll wake up eventually when we start talking. I asked Alex to make me some tea. I'm like, just surprise me with something, I don't know, so, different. new. So I went through several of the teas her mother got us like just really fancy these teas are like 20 bucks a piece like really Where really are they from? i have no idea she just gave them to us but amber asked me she she said she wanted a chamomile tea so naturally i'm gonna read the ingredients on the back of the tea one of them said like severe warning this tea can cause drowsiness do not drink if you're about to operate heavy machinery or, or taking any medication. Is it kava tea? Yes. Oh, kava tea is like, I drink that shit before bed. Like, it, like, loosens you the fuck up. <laughs> really? Really. 
Yeah, it's supposed to be like a they they marketed it as like a stress relief, but like I've never had the the really the really good kava tea. Like I get the shitty like five dollar kava tea from Safeway, oh. but the, the legit kava tea is like it like it's a muscle relaxant almost. Ooh, you guys got oh. the real stuff. I was actually <laughs> I was scared to try it. I was mildly disturbed. No. I've never had a a tea that had a <laughs> warning on it before. <laughs> I know. It I'm like, make, uh. it won't make you stoned, but like, like if 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 say like you're, I don't know, on edge or whatever, and you want to like relax and stuff, uh, drink that. <laughs> it's kind, it's kind of nice. Oh, okay. Well, oh. Good to know. The Boy. other packages <laughs> said to not drink if you're pregnant or taking any form of blood thinning medication, such as aspirin, or if you have any health issues. Oh, gosh, I'm like, uh, I have asthma. Does that count? <laughs> these t- am I, am these I gonna be able to scary. It's, it tastes kind of interesting too. Like it's not bad. Actually, no. Honestly, like I, I can only speak for the commercial stuff, and it might taste like medicine. <sighs> I, I'm, I'm assuming it tastes like medicine if it has a medicine warning. I assume it is medicine. Yeah, <laughs> a medicinal tea, I guess, is what they would call it. But it's organic. Yeah. Organic medicine is still medicine. I'm anti-organic food. Oh, are you? I personally feel like it's literally going backwards in science. Yeah. Is Whole Foods, does Whole Foods have only organic shit or is it some other produce? Uh, I don't know. I've never been into We've one. never been oh. in a Whole Foods. Dude, I... We're it... not the kind of people that go to a Whole Foods. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. I, I, like, I like Whole Foods produce. The people there are pretty weird. I could imagine. <laughs> You'll run into the people who are just like, mm, my soul is like hungry. And I'm like, all right, dude, I'm going to go to the fucking flower aisle. Uh, Sorry to interrupt, but we didn't talk about why Antonio isn't here. Oh, that's one. right. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, one of our hosts is sick, not COVID, something else. Uh, oh. <laughs> he has, have to clarify that. It's nowadays. very relevant. Yeah. He has spiders in his ears. It's not COVID from what I hear, Alex. Ever said I was being mean? Because Antonio has an ear infection, so he has to sit this one out. But when he texted me, he said, man, I don't think I'm going to be able to record. I got an ear infection. I'm just trying to heal, get better. I was like, yeah, yeah, man. Make sure they check for spiders, you know, just in case. And Ember was like, isn't he afraid of spiders? Like, that's really me. You're going to edit this out, right? Oh, why? Is that bad? Talking about his ear. (laughs) Am I mean? <laughs> Are you mean? I always, I, I never know how to segue into other segments of, of the podcast. I know that we eventually go into yours, your your um story. <laughs> yeah, <Maybe>. okay. <laughs> yeah, just tell your story. Just get it over with. Let's just dive into it, as I always say. Let's dive into. Well, we don't have, <laughs> we don't have like a regular segue usually just involves one of us shouting the title loudly the, the town that dreaded sundown. sundown wait uh, did we both say it? <laughs> i said it no i said it very quietly okay <laughs> okay so as you know a format for our show will tell the true story we'll discuss the true story in this case because there's not much of a story because it's true it's terrifying well i'm just going to be relaying facts and i'm sure you know some of them because this is the movie that is the closest to the true story of anyone we've done. This is a straight adaptation of a real incident. Actually, the movie is one of the first like big movies theatrically released that used the claim, this is a true story. Yeah. 
I like I didn't know it was an actual movie movie. I thought it was like a really really cheesy like like a documentary. I mean, it, I didn't it tries know what to think of it. Be, we have so it's I feel on like we YouTube. Have so many thoughts about this movie, Al. <laughs> it's kind of obscure. I mean, horror fan definitely has seen this movie, but like either of you are like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> Though I will say, I do not remember this movie being as funny as it was. Oh, it felt like a comedy horror. Like there, were, it felt like two different movies to me. Like I could have easily split up the movies. And take out the killer and then just show like the comedy parts and make a different movie. Yeah. Comedy relief is a little unnecessary. <laughs> it just felt like it yeah. was a completely different movie. And I don't know. I, I'm sure we can just save this for later when we're actually rating it. But yeah. Well, no, I mean, we could. Well, it doesn't matter. We, yeah, we could probably say that when we're <laughs> rating it. But I did find out that the spark plug mm -hmm. in the movie oh, it was is the director and producer yeah. charles b pierce who i also have something to say about you make it sound like you're gonna Man, have a exactly. so i like when you when you told me you guys were doing the podcast on the, i legitimately had fucking never heard of this movie really i, I neither have, have i never heard of this movie i was gonna i mean i was gonna save this for like podcast discussion but i was gonna be like what made you decide on this movie is this is this a movie that you've heard of al of course, I'm weird. <laughs> no, no, I I wouldn't call you weird. I would just call you a horror fan. Fair enough. Actually, they reference this movie in Scream. Yeah, when they're locking down the town, uh, Sydney says to Dewey, it's like the town that dreaded sundown out here. And he goes, I've seen that movie. It's about a serial killer in Texas. Oh. I don't know why I memorized that line for the first screen movie. <laughs> Whatever. It's kind of obscure. It's really obscure. But no, no. I've, I've, I've seen this movie a long time ago when I was a kid, and it always fascinated me because it's one of the only, I mean, other than the Zodiac Killer, he's one of the only other serial killers that I could find record of wearing a scary mask to commit his murders. Yeah. But the reason why I picked this one is the FBI recently declassified its files on the phantom killer from texarkana mm -hmm. they released all of their archives and all of their files on what happened because it's been long enough where it won't really affect any of the survivors yeah it was 74 years ago i did the math yeah so <laughs> it's such a long time ago yeah it was so long ago that they're like forget it we could release it it's fine yeah. so you could actually go Google all the FBI notes on this. I wonder if they could ever solve it. Um, According to some of the lead investigators, they already had. Oh, oh I think uh, I, I read that somewhere on the Wikipedia page. Like there was there was one suspect that they were like 100% sure it was him, but they couldn't get any like testimony or some shit. And he was already in jail for something else. So they kind of just dropped it. That happens a lot with like unsolved mysteries. I've been watching a lot of unsolved mysteries. The TV show or just in general? both there is like a channel on tv that i didn't know about that plays unsolved mysteries like old ones with the scary robert stack guy they just play them all uh, day. cool i fucking love unsolved mysteries dude such a good show it's creepy it's still creepy i watched it the other day it's super fucking creepy robert stack is like the most terrifying man and he doesn't mean to be <laughs> like he's just like unsolved mysteries like oh fuck he'll say something happy like and then she was reunited with her long lost daughter. Like, oh, no. oh no! But yeah, like, sorry, like I got super off topic. 
But like, yeah, I've noticed that like a lot of the episodes that remain unsolved, like eventually they'll find out that the person that did it was already in jail for another crime. It's so dumb. And they don't bother to like arrest him more. Arrest more. Yeah, because they can just like, all right, you did it. Like, I'm sure they could try him, but I was like, you you fucking, you're already in where we expect you to be. You think they'll ever Mm -hmm. solve? No, no, no. I don't know how to phrase this, but would anyone care if they solved Jack the Ripper? Eh, Probably not. I don't think anyone would care. I th- I think like it's really so dedicated long. like true crime fans would care, but the general public would be like, who? Like, yeah. <laughs> I have a theory about that. <laughs> I feel like there was no Jack the River. You think it was multiple dudes? Well, there were five active serial killers in Whitechapel at the time. Yeah. That's not even the city. That's the neighborhood of Whitechapel. There was five active killers. More likely it was one of those five people. Yeah. I kind of felt this way about the Texarkana killer, too. Like, how do they know it wasn't just, like, one or two dudes? You know what I mean? Oh, man. I, I'll, I'll get into that <laughs> later. But like, how do they know it wasn't just, like, three dudes? Who, like, or, like, or sometimes I wonder, too, like, like with serial killers and it gets out in the news, how do you know you don't have, like, copycats? Are you, like, scared of serial killers? Hell, yeah, I'm scared no? of serial killers. <laughs> Fucking terrifying. Really? So, I, okay. So, I love true crime stuff. Like, I love it. I I don't want to delve any more into that. But I kind of draw the line that, like, those serial killers who just kill for pleasure and not necessarily for, like, money or, like, like a reward system. Like, Belganess, like, killed all of her kids and a bunch of people for, like, insurance policies, which I... Right. But, like, the one... Like, Ted Bundy, when they just kill for pleasure, like, those are the people that I think about when I walk to my car at night. Good. <laughs> It's just really scary. Good. Yeah, and it, it that fear will keep you safe. Yeah, and this this case is even worse because they never caught the guy, and I was like, oh god, like ugh. he was walking the streets. Still. But if it makes you feel any better, a lot of his victims were robbed. So there's that. I mean, oh, not that that's uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, okay. that's any better, but whatever. I think of all the movies that we've done so far, um, this one definitely shows. Like, I, I can see this being real. It feels more believable than, uh... Jaws? I was thinking more like Amityville. Or, like, Sweeney Todd. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I, but I think out of all of the movies that have been done, this one is the one that's closest to the truth. Yeah, like, like Sweeney Todd. Sense. Sweeney Todd could happen, but, like, I mean, and it, prob- it, it probably did, but the turning people <laughs> into meat pies thing... <laughs> You didn't listen to the episode, <laughs> did you? No, I kept forgetting it was there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we'll edit this out. <laughs> I definitely won't. I'm going to keep it in now. I'll it eventually. It. I just forgot it was there. No, yeah. um, I, I can see that, especially considering the killer in this movie seems the most human. I mean, he freaks out. He makes a lot of mistakes. He has human reactions, even though he's kind of, well, insane. And of course... As the movie says, only the names have been changed. That's a stretch. We will also get to that later. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like that line. I do really like that line. I think that's one of my favorite it lines of the movie. Very tropey. Well, like this. This feels the most true crimey out of all the movies that have been done. I, I was actually avoiding true crime esque stories for our podcast because a lot of times there isn't much of a story there as far as. Yeah. A narrative. I mean, besides going into bios of who the killers are. A fun fact, the town is called Texarkana because it's on the border of Texas and Arkansas. What state is it actually in? 
It's in Texas and Arkansas. It's on the border. It's like uh, Mexicali. But does it belong to an actual state? It's technically Texas, but okay. there are parts of the town that bleed into Arkansas. So we'll get into the true story. Yeah. And then we'll talk about the movie. So, uh, sure. Okay. Okay. Are we ready? A true story of the town that dreaded sundown. Content warning. Warning. Graphic. Oh. Yeah. Con- <laughs> like all of us. Warning. Well, yeah, like, warning. There's, there's, there's a, there should be Turn like around. content warning. There is sexual abuse involved in this case. We could record one. Or I could actually just put what you just Mel. said at the beginning Mel, of the episode. Give one. What? Give a warning. Out, I have, a graphic warning. I have to give the graphic warning? I mean, we're kind of odd and like <laughs> awful, awful things. We're like, yeah, well, I mean. I have no correlation to what would upset somebody. Yeah. I always, I because like, like stuff about sexual violence always kind of like affects me. So I always appreciate when podcasts say like, word of warning, we're going to talk about sexual violence in like the next 20 minutes. Uh, fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. A word of warning. This episode of What Happened Was True contains descriptions of assault and sexual violence. Listener discretion advised. Boom. All right. You good? Story time. Hooray. Okay, so it's time for the true story of the town that dreaded sundown. A familiar story. On the way home from a movie, a young couple looking for some privacy decide to park down a secluded road when something horrific happens to them. This legend is one that is well known. Sometimes the killer has a hook. Sometimes the boyfriend steps out and is murdered. But with most scary stories, the origin is far more tragic. Since this time, what happened was true. Jimmy Hollis and Mary LeRae had parked on the side of Robinson Road, an unpaved patch just 100 yards from the residential neighborhood. They were making out as couples tend to do when suddenly a bright light shined through the driver's side window. Assuming it was a cop, Jimmy didn't think twice when the man ordered him to step outside. That's when Jimmy saw the mask, a white hooded sack pulled over the man's head like an executioner, flashlight in one hand, and a gun in the other. I don't want to kill you, fellow, so do what I say. He ordered them both out of the car. When he shouted to Jimmy, Take off your goddamn britches! Jimmy kicked over his pants and the man began digging through his pockets. According to Mary, that's when she heard the sound. It was so loud and piercing that she thought Jimmy must have been shot. But it was actually the sound of Jimmy's skull being split open as the man began bashing him with the butt of his pistol. Jesus. Thinking they were being robbed, Mary stepped out waving Jimmy's wallet. That's when the man struck her too. Dazed, he then ordered her to stand watch as he continued to beat Jimmy, kicking and stomping him. When suddenly he stopped, looked at Mary and whispered, Run! Mary began to stumble toward a ditch when he yelled that she was going in the wrong direction. Mary came upon an old car on the side of the road, but found it was empty inside. Just then, the man suddenly grabbed her, demanding to know why she was running from him. When she responded that he had told her to, he called her a liar before knocking her to the ground, tearing her clothes off before sexually assaulting her with the barrel of his gun. After he fled, Mary attempted to flag down several cars who all ignored her until she made it to a nearby house where the owners called 911. Jimmy, who had awoken while they were gone, managed to flag down a passing car. The driver left Jimmy at the scene, but drove to the nearby funeral home and called the police. It's worth noting that Mary and Jimmy both gave conflicting reports as to what he may have looked like under the mask. Mary claimed he appeared to be a light-skinned black man, while Jimmy said he looked white. 
Because of this, the police did not believe their story and assumed that they knew their attacker and was covering for them for some reason. While an investigation was held, the story made papers, but people had little reason to believe that this was anything more than a horrific incident. Little did they know that this was the beginning of a series of violent assaults and murders that would forever label their small Texarkana community the town that dreaded sundown. Texarkana, like every small town in 1946, was bustling with activity. World War II had just ended, and its people were beginning to settle back into a normal life. As servicemen returned from overseas, events were held to welcome them home. The atmosphere in the town could be described as jovial. It was a time of celebration and peace. But on the morning of March 24th, a passing motorist spotted a 1941 Oldsmobile parked on South Robinson Road, a popular lover's lane hideaway. Thinking they were asleep and in good spirits, he approached the vehicle attempting to get them to move along to avoid getting into any trouble. That's when he saw the blood. Richard Griffin, age 29, was found on his knees between the front seats, pockets turned out, two gunshot wounds to the head. His girlfriend Pollyanne Moore, age 17, was found face down in the back seat. She had also been shot, execution style, to the back of the head. Evidence at the scene suggested that she was most likely killed outside and placed back in the car after the fact. A 32 shell cartridge was found wrapped in a blanket on the ground nearby, and the soil was soaked in blood. Though she was fully clothed, Moore appeared to have been sexually assaulted, though the police were reluctant to pursue that line of investigation. In a later interview about the incident, J.Q. Malfrey, who had been the executive editor of the Texarkana Gazette at the time, said, Sexual assault wasn't made public. You always guarded the person who was raped. In 46, even if it was hinted at, it was reported in the papers as a criminal assault. No authorities ever issued their opinions about rape cases unless it was obvious, and any physical evidence was found by an examining doctor, not much else. The bodies of Moore and the later victims were never examined further than what was on the surface. Though not officially linked to the first assault, the rumors spread, creating a sense of dread through most of the community. Texarkana was the kind of place People didn't lock their doors at night, and they could walk safely without fear of the dark. All this was steadily changing as the days went on, and the media began calling him the Phantom Killer and the Moonlight Murderer. Couples were encouraged to stay out of lovers' lanes and in safer, more populated areas. On Sunday, April 14th, Betty Jo Booker, age 15, was seen leaving a gig at the VFW Club, the Veterans of Foreign Wars Club, that's where they had military (laughs) parties. Sorry, tangent. (laughs) Betty Jo Booker, age 15, was seen leaving a gig at the VFW club where she played alto saxophone. Her boyfriend, Paul Martin, age 17, picked her up at around 1.30 a.m. This was the last time the pair were seen alive. Martin's body was found the next morning with multiple gunshot wounds to the back and head. Booker's body was found almost two miles away, shot in the face and heart. Ballistics tests later confirmed it was the same 32 used in the last murder. This time, officials didn't deny that she had been sexually assaulted. An interesting side note on this case is that the police determined that Martin had been shot from a great distance away, indicating whoever the killer was, they had to be a a marksman or at the very least very good with a pistol. Or like a veteran of some sort. A lot of the main suspects in this case were all war veterans. Considering this was September 46, the war had been over for less than a year so all the veterans coming in all had combat experience and all of them were a great shot most of their suspects were veterans right that makes sense the town began to panic gun stores sold out 
and locksmiths were booked to reinforce doors. Everyone rushed to get home before sunset, and very few people were spotted after dark unless you were on patrol or a decoy. In one incident, Chief Deputy Tillman Johnson was patrolling a vacant road when he came upon a parked car. Johnson walked up and noticed a couple inside. He yelled to them, I'm Tillman Johnson with the Miller County Sheriff's Department. Aren't you scared to be parked here at night? The girl replied, You're the one that ought to be scared, mister. It's a good thing you told me who you are. She revealed that she had a gun trained on him the entire time he walked toward her car. How dumb. If she had successfully shot him, <laughs> she, like that that's like you just murdered a cop. Way to go. Yeah. But if it was the Phantom, she would have been a hero. But it wasn't the Phantom, it was a cop. <laughs> well, one of them got lucky. <laughs> yeah, they both got lucky. Yeah. Anyway, I can't believe that was a thing, but I, I guess I could see kids doing that. <laughs> My next sentence. My next sentence. They, along with many other teens, were recruited as decoys for the local police department. Oh my gosh. <laughs> they also employed mannequins and undercover cops. <laughs> with lover's lanes heavily watched and couples on high alert, nobody felt safe. On Friday, May 3rd, Katie Starks was laying in bed listening to the radio. Her husband, Virgil, sat in his chair in the living room reading the local paper. She turned it off when she heard the sound of breaking glass. When she went to see what had happened, she found Virgil slumped over in his chair, blood dripping down his face. She ran to the phone to call 911, where she was shot twice in the face. God. The first bullet entering her right cheek and exiting out her left ear. The other went in just below her lip, breaking her jaw and splintering out several teeth before lodging under her tongue. Ooh. When she made it to her feet, she made an attempt to run to get her husband's gun, but was blinded by her own blood. She later heard the sound of the phantom tearing the screen door off the back porch, which made her flee the scene. She ran across the street where no one was home. Eventually, she made it to her other neighbor's house, gasping, Virgil's dead, before collapsing in what witnesses described as a virtual river of blood. Famous Texas Ranger, Captain Manuel Lone Wolf Gonzalez was assigned to the case. He was known to be one of the best examples of the skill and determination that the Texas Rangers were well known for. He was so renowned that it was heavily publicized in all the papers that he was taking this case, which may have came with a severe drawback. For as sudden as the killings had begun, they suddenly stopped. Many historians believe that due to the case being the highest profile in Texas history at the time, the FBI involvement... And with the largest manhunt and bounty, the sudden addition of the lone wolf Gonzalez was enough to scare the phantom off entirely, if he had not been arrested for another crime already. During the investigation, several people came forward and confessed to the crime. One guy claiming to be Jack the Ripper, several people being arrested in connection to armed robberies claimed to be the phantom. There's actually a scene of one in the movie where that one trucker was robbed by somebody claiming to be the phantom, and there's a extended chase scene in the movie that completely feels out of place but one of the people that came forward included a woman named peggy sweeney who claimed her and her husband were responsible for at least one of the murders yule sweeney was later arrested on many accounts of car theft and burglary with no physical evidence and his wife's refusal to testify he was never charged with the murders though many lead investigators including chief deputy tillman were convinced of sweeney's guilt no one was ever charged, and the phantom killer remains unknown. 
that's pretty much the full story for the town that dreaded sundown and at least the real life texarkana moonlight murderer the interesting thing about the yule sweeney confession was the fact that he and his wife confessed to one of the many murders and one of the interesting things when i was researching this was the idea that it's possible that there was no phantom that they like made it up no it's just that with virgil and katie starks the last victims they were shot with a rifle right yeah meaning in the movie and i i made note of this in the movie they make a point of saying oh it's it's three victims with one gun but in real life it was an entirely different gun his mo was entirely different he wasn't at lover's lane he'd shot people in their home with an entirely different kind of gun I feel like it's like relevant to point out too that the first attack, one they survived, and two it seemed much more violent and it seemed a lot more like a cat and mouse kind of game with him, than the uh the following four murders. Yeah, I I would agree. Mm-hmm. That I feel like, I mean, but I I don't think it would be so far fetched to think that the first attack was done by someone entirely different, because it was just so different. That's what I'm getting at. The yeah. people that confessed, Ewell Sweeney and his wife, she admits that they had gone for drinks and then they went to the lover's lane and they assaulted the couple. Uh, eventually, she recanted her story saying that the police coerced it out of her. But she and her husband, they only admitted to the Martin and Booker murder, meaning if it's true and they only had killed Martin and Booker, that would mean that the first two murders were an entirely different person altogether. So the idea that it's multiple murderers in town sounds plausible to at least to me personally i think so too totally. and at the time with like the media going nuts like you you they don't know for sure if there weren't copycats exactly especially under the logic of the first one might not have even been the killer there was some doubt as to whether or not he was the person who assaulted the first couple yeah so what if it was just a random assault a random murder because the second murder sounded like a robbery entirely yeah right a lot of the notes i found point out oh the 32 pistol that was used in both crimes that's kind of a common gun especially texas post-world war ii yeah right so it could be anyone especially since the last victims it wasn't even a pistol it was a rifle yeah and it wasn't even the lover's lane it was an entirely different mo that doesn't match the first two the first three really Was he masked for the home one? No, actually. She never saw him. Oh. Oh. He shot both of them through the window, and she ran when she heard him coming in through the screen door. In the movie, they imply that she got a good look at his mask. In real life, as soon as she heard the screen, she was out the front door. And honestly, the only only case that specifically mentions a mask at all is the first one, because the following two couples were murdered. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Which makes you wonder, if he wanted to kill the first couple, why didn't he shoot them? Yeah. Unless it, that was him snapping and, like, first starting. Like he was ramping up? Yeah. Yeah. It feels so off, like, that he would kind of make, like, a cat and mouse kind of chase game with these two, and then they end up surviving. And then the next, he just, like, it's a straight-up execution. See, I think that theory is totally plausible, that it could just be four different people. Yeah, I I see what you mean, and not only that, but maybe one event could inspire more than like one person. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's a great idea, but this time let's kill him. Yeah, 
Or like, I, I think about this sometimes too, like if there's an active like serial killer out, like if there's another person out there who kind of just wants to dabble in killing people, they could totally do it right now and just bl- have like blame it on the person who's doing the other serial killing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if there's another psychopath out there, they're just like, hmm. But like, huh, yeah, yeah, he totally did it. That's true. If another killer starts up inspired by the first one, how would we know? Yeah. He's my hero. I'm going to follow in his footsteps. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> that happens quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, they're like, I'm inspired by this dude, so. On that note, the film, The Town That Dreaded Sundown, was used in a defense case for a boy who had shot a classmate at his high school. Yeah. Really? Yeah, he oh, okay. claimed he wanted to be a notorious outlaw, like outlaw Jesse Wales and the phantom killer from the town that dreaded sundown. I guess everybody has heroes in their own eyes. People know, get inspired yeah. in very weird ways. One funny thing before I forget, because I totally forgot to mention it, is the tagline for the film is he killed five people and still lurks on the streets of Texarkana, Arkansas. Of course, the city sued him for this again for the title, specifically saying the name of their city and that he's still there. Yeah, They were afraid that the bad publicity would remind people that and it kind of did. Yeah. It it like cemented the town as the town that dreaded sundown. Yeah. Well, I mean, some towns get famous or infamous in this case. Every year in the town of Texarkana around Halloween, they play this at the drive-in. I read that. That's awesome. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I would do that. Like if there was like a huge like crime spree or like a really infamous like event in my hometown and they made a movie about it. And they started showing that movie every Halloween, I would go. Well, also, the fact that they filmed it on location using locals means that you either know a victim of the real event or you know somebody who participated in the movie. So either way, it's a big deal. (laughs) Yeah. Especially considering how how small of a town it was at the time. Yeah, what is the population of Texarkana? It was 44,000 at the time. Wasn't expecting me to have that one, huh? (laughs) <laughs> no, I was about to Google it. <laughs> Shall we talk about this silly, silly, oddly funny movie? Yeah. You wouldn't yeah, expect it to should. be silly with this kind of topic. <laughs> There's a lot to say about this movie. Just it. Uh, all right. So the filmmaker says that the only thing that he changed were the names. But like looking like doing the research now and going back, this dude took so much artistic license. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, very like, much so. Yeah, like he like he states he's just like only the names have been changed. And I was like, you changed way more than that, dude. <laughs> well, they had to. It's for a movie. You had to make a movie formula. Yeah, but the part where the the killer like MacGyver's that trombone stabby thing, that that certainly didn't <laughs> <laughs> like. Did that really need to be like you know? <laughs> that was the coolest part of the movie, though. That was, was so the, disturbing it, and weird. I did like it. That whole that um attack that was a pretty chilling scene. I think that was one of the most memorable scene. Yeah, it's creative. If you stab someone with a trombone, I I don't I've never I've never played an instrument before. This is gonna sound so stupid. When you blow into a trombone, does that force like the first part of it forward, or was he doing that manually with his hand? I, um, I never played a trombone. I have no, never played um, a trombone before. <laughs> I don't think it would work that way anyway. 
I haven't personally played a trombone, but I've had friends that have played it, and that's not like he's totally. In order to hit somebody that hard, you got to put a lot of force in because yeah. it's not meant to like all your force to do a note. You uh, you would break it. As far as I understand, a trombone works like a giant slide whistle. So yeah, pretty much. It's not like him blowing into it will propel it like it's a like a blowgun or something. You, you'd have to use yeah. your hand for that knife to go in hard. I feel like if you actually did that with a trombone, just her muscle tissue in general would make the slide bend. <laughs> I feel like the knife would fall off. I, I'm impressed by yeah. that knot tie. I know. that's That's got to be one hell of a knot for a pocket knife to not fall off. Yeah, I trombone. like. I was trying to like see how he secured it onto the trombone and i was like that seems like it would be very flimsy and then even if he did successfully stab her it would like how far could it really penetrate like an inch what i was wondering like did she really die from just being poked in the back (laughs) i I mean that's not how she really died though In in the real case she was shot right yeah yeah I noticed that in the movie they didn't give him a gun until the last scene yeah right maybe it made him feel like he was ramping up his violence i guess but they did say that the victims were shot it's just they didn't show him holding a gun until the trombone scene yeah and he had to pull it out and it was like a close-up like look he also has a gun yeah Yeah. um the the second couple were in in the movie it was stated that they were killed by a gunshot right and we could hear the gunshot we just never saw him with a gun Okay, let, let's try to go in order, actually, just, okay. just because <laughs> Okay. Okay. For, for the sake of Stop jumping around. clarity. Okay. I know, we just have so much to say. <laughs> it's kind of like, what the hell? Yeah. Okay, that opening sequence really threw me off, because I, I, I didn't remember how this movie started. And for a split second, I was like, did I put on the right town that dreaded sundown? This feels like a documentary. I had totally forgotten about the narrator. Yeah, I oh right, kind of. I it felt like one of those uh true crime stories. Definitely like is the, with a narrator talking and like a reenactment happening. Yeah, yeah. only the names only have the been names changed. were changed. Yeah, when they said that, it felt like very uh cheesy. I would agree. Well, only because like it's either you're 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 either a documentary or you're like. A work of fiction but it like to to kind of like melt both into the same movie i it it, it, it would get jarring at times well you never know i looked into it and historically speaking the town that dreaded sundown is one of the first movies to straight up say this is a true story without going oh it was inspired by actual events yeah right. this one is it was a true story we just changed the names and that actually led to him being sued well, yeah, yeah. That's why people don't say that? <laughs> There's a line uh, when they introduce the second set of victims, where it does explicitly say that she dropped out of school to get a job, and that's actually what led to the real life victim, uh, Pollyanne Moore. Her brother ended up suing the filmmaker for that line and for depicting his sister as some sort of floozy. Yeah, <laughs> why you say floozy like that? Floozy. I don't know how else to say that. It sounds like an odd word to me. Because it's an old word. (laughs) But the case ended up being thrown out because the judge was like, it doesn't say she's a floozy. What are you talking about? 
He's just super reading into it. You're, yeah, you're just reading into it. Well, it did say she was a dropout. Yeah, it does say that she's a dropout, though. Where oh. in real life, uh, Polly Ann Moore graduated at 16. She graduated early. Oh. Oh, man. Yeah, that's kind of like, hey, I worked hard. I didn't drop out. Yeah. Anyway, going back <laughs> to the first kill of the movie, her screaming, man. Like, I didn't. Uh. It kind of was jarring, her screaming. It was jarring because of the poor audio in this entire movie. Yeah. <laughs> so bad. Poor yeah. poor audio and poor driving. Not to mention, they recycle a lot of their sounds. Oh, I yeah. noticed that in the opening scene when she's screaming, her lips don't match up to the screams. That happens a few times in the movie where just the audio doesn't sync up with the actual like lips of the actor. But they reuse a lot of footage, too. Well, that and the scream loops later on during the the trombone scene. The scream is the same recording as the girl from the first scene. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> it's just... But it's so loud. You can't hear the boyfriend has lines. And when we watched it again, I was like, what did he say? And I turned it up. And he says, hey, mister, you got the wrong car. Um, you're probably looking for somebody else as the killer is trying to smash his window open. <laughs> I think it's safe to say that this movie has a lot of like technical issues. I, I'm just thinking logically. I love how, I mean, it's funny to me, but it's kind of also weird. The jump scare is him popping open the hood and tearing the starter out hell fast. <laughs> like, yeah. what? It's like, I got your starter. How, yeah. how did he do that that fast? So fast. He like jumps up, tears it out, and then he holds it up like, got it. Like yeah. he tore out somebody's heart. So he, he's a good mechanic because he knows what to get. Yeah. Also, I feel like just the the choice to to show him, because that throughout that whole scene and the, the first attack scene, you see the killer the whole time. And then he rips open the hood. And then you see the starter in his hand, and then that's supposed to be a jump scare, even though you, you're totally expecting it because you saw him. I just thought, yeah. we could have just left that out in order to build suspense. Nothing scarier than not seeing a monster. But they were just show Like, you see him, like, squatting on the floor for a second, and I was just like, why was that left in? He looks like a dumbass now. <laughs> I think it would have been better if they had shown him tearing out the starter without them knowing, and they focused on him doing stuff before yeah. jumping out. It would have been a suspense moment. But yeah. he did it, like, within a few seconds. It's like, bam, got yeah, it. unbelievable. <laughs> like, open a hood and just rip it out. Yeah, and I was like, this man must That's really know his it. way around cars to have done that in 1.8 <laughs> seconds. And then she slams the door on his hand, and he's like, Arr! Okay, is that what happened? Uh, that was another thing. Okay, look, the, the, the first attack scene, I did enjoy it. I was I was pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed it. But it had lighting issues. I didn't really see what the fuck was going on <laughs> when she was trying to open the door. And I was like, what did she do or what did he do? And then he's just busting open a window. But I thought she had opened the door. Yeah, she, he opened the door and she's pulling it shut on his hand. Yeah, yeah I never would have seen that because it was dark as shit. We watched the remastered one on Amazon. Oh, I did not. I watched the free version on YouTube. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> Should I, Would I have been able to see it if I had watched the Amazon Prime one? I don't know. Um, I maybe haven't, i haven't seen the I, I one on the, youtube i know okay. the youtube one is a lesser quality of course yeah that probably makes a lot of yeah if, if you want to you should watch that opening scene on the youtube version you can't see anything all i know is that like he pulls the dude through the broken window and then she turns and does something with the door 
and then the killer shows up and like i even wrote in my notes i was like you can't see shit <laughs> i couldn't see anything everyone was making fun of that scene because they're like they're lit under the dashboard yeah the lighting <laughs> in the car just that whole car scene was so odd like there's this weird light floating on them magically yeah. in some shots and other shots like Te- okay technical aspects aside they went yeah. to lover's lane so that he could lay his head in her lap yeah <laughs> like that's yeah. all they were doing i guess that's all he wanted she that's... wasn't having anything else i loved his line too of like damn it pay attention to what's going on and he's just <laughs> laying his head in her lap like and i was thinking like she's like watch your hand like is he reaching over his head to like try to fondle her blindly because he's staring under the hood when that's what i that's wa- what i kind of thought was happening like mary maybe there was so like uh, so like under the skirt fondling that we didn't see but like from anyone else's perspective it just looks like he wants to lay his head in her lap and this is his version of third base i i like how he he puts his hands down and then he lays his head on her lap like if he's doing under the skirt fondling he's doing it blind he's facing away from her <laughs> he's not even like you know what i mean look at me no yeah. hands wait but no <laughs> consistently every time they show a couple parked it's to lay down next to each other like that's the oddest form of i guess they didn't want to show like maybe they the actors weren't comfortable like kissing and doing other stuff like that or like okay just the slowly get close to him just sleep yeah. or sleep the, this couple is sleeping together get it <laughs> the sleeping. only time you ever see any characters like fondling and like groping each other hmm. is in the weird decoy scene toward the end of the movie oh yeah we'll we'll get to that though we will get to that for sure (laughs) oh man okay so right after that you have the scene where they introduce the police and Mm -hmm. the brilliant acting of the chief of police yeah amber made note of that because he seemed so nervous like the dude was on camera kind of shaking going yeah then the they were assaulted uh uh I really liked that scene. I I really love how it was lit and the way it was framed. The fan moving in the background added some weird dynamic to the whole scene that I really, really liked. It was interesting to look at. The composition of that is like showing that fan for some reason. And it's even in the background when they cut to the hallway where they introduce Sparkplug. This guy. Oh, good old Sparkplug. You notice that the only scenes with music in the movie are the comedy bits with Sparkplug? Well, oh, I that's say only lighthearted music. Yeah. I'll I'll get to that. I also made a note about how um some of the music they chose to play throughout the more um like like I guess like thrilling scenes was a little too upbeat. It just it's it doesn't fit with the dark subject matter of this movie. Some of it's too upbeat. Yeah, the music is definitely very odd. Yeah, that Sparkplug scenes are a bit too long. I mean, <laughs> don't get me wrong. It was really funny, but for a minute, I forgot what I was watching. Yeah. I was wondering, like, why are they showing Sparkplug so much? It kind of makes sense that he's a director. Oh, oh yeah. Charles saying. B. Pierce. He um he wrote and direct. He did the, the two Boggy Creeks, the first one that was, like, highly regarded. And then he did this, the... It's the third one because there was another sequel that was made without his like involvement. But he made the third one, which was a mess, and they made fun of it on Mystery Science Theater 3000. 
It's a really good episode. <laughs> yeah, he also inserted himself into the acting of that movie. I think he's he acts fine. He's funny, but it was so out of place in this yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah he, it just didn't fit. Yeah. I mean, it, the scenes where he isn't, like, he's funny, but, like, you're talking about a movie where six people died or five people died? Five people died. Yeah, it's a, it's a true crime story, and then he inserted unnecessary comic relief. It just felt out of place. I think the idea was to, like, lighten the load of a very heavy story. But I think if he made it more serious and cut out the comedy bits, mm-hmm. this would have been a more memorable horror movie, like, in the vein of, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, I yeah, agree. I could totally see that. Yeah, if he had played it straight, this probably would have been more warmly received. If he stuck to one genre, then it probably would have had more of a solid impact. Yeah, I totally agree. That's what I feel like this movie would have been taken much more seriously if he hadn't involved. There's a lot of there's a lot of like like a, a car flies at one point. I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> okay. Sorry. All right. Okay. Go on to the second victims. Yeah. The first kills of the movie, which okay, that scene they come out of the movie theater and it's heavily raining. They uh-huh. go in the car and they're having a conversation and every time it cuts to him, you hear the rain pouring. And then when it cuts back to her, it stops. And I'm listening on our fancy Bose speaker and it's like in the middle of them talking. You can he... hear the clear edits of where they clip that audio <laughs> piece. That and as they're driving away, you could see the hose used to create the rain spraying off into the corner. Mm-hmm. yeah i i kind of noticed that when i'm like how come all the water is going in one corner oh right <laughs> rain hose it's like there's no rain right there and then like on the wide shot you could see an arc of them it's coming in from the side of the camera going up and then raining down on just them <laughs> that following scene has to be the worst day for night i have ever seen in a movie Oh, That's yeah. That's not true. I think I've seen worse. Really? Yeah. I'm, I'm sure didn't... worse exists, but this is pretty bad. Like, I didn't it was, even it realize. It was clearly like nighttime, and in the very <laughs> next scene, it's like six in the morning. I thought it was supposed to be the next morning because. So did I. <laughs> well, yeah, in the real life case, they. They were seen leaving, and then they were found the next morning. So I thought that's what they were trying to portray in the movie. But then the cop gets out of the police station. It's dark. He drives up. It's morning. I thought it was supposed to be the next morning. But then he hears gunshots, implying that they had just been killed. Also, he had a pretty funny driving scene. Did you notice when he turns onto that, like, muddy road that he also slides? Was this whole movie just filled with bad drivers, or was it, like, an artistic choice? (laughs) I don't know. I I thought they were actually kind of good drivers. They're really good drivers. (laughs) I'm like, dang, they're drifting. Even in, and I'm going back, but even in the first scene when the when the first girl who survived and her she's found on the side of the road, that guy came into the scene driving like a fucking NASCAR. I was like, dude, (laughs) like go back and watch it. He's like slipping and sliding, and I was like, this is this has to be like a 35, 40 mile per hour road. And you're like, he's like fast and furiousing it. I wrote that down in my notes. First car on scene almost crashes when he sees her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like immediately. Like, <laughs> like, I know it's a shocking thing to find, 
But I was like, he he's like slipping and sliding. I thought it, I thought maybe it was like, is he a drunk driver? <laughs> I had thought that it like, was like an ambulance after someone had already found her, but that's supposed to be the guy yeah. discovering her. Meaning he was just driving like that, and then he saw her and pulled <laughs> over her. Yeah, there's questionable driving yeah. in this movie. That and the ambulance shot immediately after that lasts like 40 seconds of the ambulance driving up to the scene. Yeah. I was like, why are they still holding on this shot? It's just driving up the road. Yeah, n- nothing else is happening besides the car or ambulance driving. And the cop waving at him. There's a lot of moments in the movie where it's just kind of stale and they're like, I- I'm not sure what why. It's still going, but it's going. Like, cut. Just cut. You're good. (laughs) Cut. Yeah. The, okay, going back to the day for night scene of the cop discovering the victim's shot, I I read a bit when I was researching it that when they were filming that scene, the actor came across a water moccasin. Those are more poisonous than rattlesnakes. Okay, I was going to ask. I know nothing. What the fuck is a water moccasin? It's a snake? Basically, it's a snaky snake. Really, really bad snaky (laughs) snake. And the director had yelled at him, cut, come on, get out of there. That thing is insanely poisonous. But the actor refused because he was determined to get the scene done in one take. Oh, gosh. And he Uh just sort of acted around the snake in the scene. (laughs) Why? Dedication. And then as soon as, yeah, as soon as he finished, he ran off. And they're like, okay, cool, let's move. (laughs) Oh, my God, dude. No, stop. Just move the snake along. I guess that's dedication to your craft. <laughs> uh, dangerous. <laughs> You're like... Wait, you, you had some bits that had to do with the second murder, you said? I did. All right. So when the guy, when the cop or sheriff, I don't really know. Let's call him cop. He was supposed to be the deputy. Okay. Yeah. When he um first encounters the young girl's body and she's like tied to the tree, um, the music during that bit when he's walking up to her body was a little too upbeat for me. I don't know how to describe it. Was, it was, uh, it just didn't feel right. It was more of like a, do, 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 like kind of, I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> it was a little too, <laughs> it was a little too like Twilight Zony for me. I was like, you're finding the body of a young woman. She's been severely abused. She got, she had bite marks all over her. She's tied to a tree. And then you want to encounter it with a do, 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 do. like I was it just did not make any sense to me. Quite like I said, questionable music cues. Of every quiet scene without music, I think that would have played better with no music. Absolutely agree. I totally agree. Yeah. If they had just played it straight, but I guess uh, yeah, they, I don't know. They made it weird. The music cue for that for that scene especially, I was like, this is a really dark scene. And you're hitting me with this weird, like, sci-fi jingle. I I mean, there's a lot of weird nuances and stuff like that with the audio. But I will say a really strong part of the audio would have to be him breathing throughout the, like, whole movie. You could hear, he doesn't really have any dialogue, but... Oh, the killer. Breathing through the mask, yeah. Yeah, I think that was really effective. It made what he was doing, especially in the the saxophone or the sorry the trombone scene it really made it more effective and creepy yeah like it it just kind of sold that this guy's insane yeah does that listen how he breathes does that mean he (laughs) took the mask off to bite her yes Uh, either that or he lifted it up because he could still see or he bite through his mask that's why it's all dirty in the next scene with (laughs) there's like a bite mark in his mask well, in real life, he didn't really bite them. There was no he evidence didn't. of that. 
Yeah, that was that was another bit of artistic license that he took. They made it a big deal to him biting him when they introduced the psychologist later. They make yeah. a point of talking about how he bit them and how it like kind of drives into the psychology. But this wasn't yeah. even a true thing. Yeah, it was it was interesting to find that out because they it was they kind of made it part of his like MO, like he bites these women before he like kills them. And I was like, that's really interesting. And then you look into the real case and that didn't happen at all. Well, at all. his MO in the movie is he tortures them, cat and mouse, tortures them, kills the guy first, ties them up to a tree yeah and then mutilates them but he does not rape or sexually assault them other than biting them yeah it, it was but that's so not how he was in real life yeah he did way worse things i was actually really surprised to find out that he shot like everyone i was like are you serious like all of this like all of these death scenes and like they're so elaborate and a little outlandish and I was just like, wow, that really happened. And then you look into the case and that didn't happen at all. They were just shot. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say that the death scenes were cool. Oh, yeah. They were really interesting. Mm -hmm. Right after the first murder in the movie, they introduced Morales. And he's possibly the only famous actor in this movie. <laughs> the only like odd thing I'd point out about that scene is he, he comes in. He pretty much tells them, I'm in charge. My men are coming to help. I'll keep you guys informed. But the thing that really stuck out to me is a weird moment in the scene where he walks out of the office and he's introduced to George Hartman. And he's like, who's this? He's like, this is George Hartman. He's a prominent member of our community. He's interested in police work. Tell him if he wants to learn more, he could buy a copy of the Texarkana Gazette. And then yeah. he walks away. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know why I memorized that, but... What the hell is the point of that scene? No, you want to yeah. talk about pointless scenes? Okay, go a little earlier. Remember when Morales first um get, uh, comes off the train and he's in the train station? And then there's this one scene where like he's being interviewed by the reporters and he's like, excuse me. And then he goes into the little, little like mini mart and buys a cigar. <laughs> and that's the only, like, I was like, that could have been cut out and it would not have affected the movie at all. Amber said the same thing when we I was watched like, it. I like, was like, what is with this cigar scene and why is it important? This is, so he smokes. That doesn't come into play. <laughs> like, it, it made no sense to me. Well, at the yeah. end of the scene, he gives the blind guy a dollar. I assumed it was supposed to show that he has some sort of moral to him. He's a good guy. He's a good cop. <laughs> I like, gave a I dollar to a guy who had a cup full of pencils. And why did the blind guy say thank you? How did he know? He could have stolen a pencil. <laughs> Was he handing out pencils? But on that note, though, he could have just given the dollar. They didn't have to spend a full two minutes of him going to get a cigar. Why is a blind guy handing yeah. out pencils to begin with? Well, that's an old movie trope. You're blind. The only job you can get is selling pencils. Oh. That's why in old movies, they always have a tin cup so they can hear oh. when people put money in it. Yeah, I guess in the 40s, if you needed a pencil, you didn't just automatically have one. I guess that's useful. <laughs> I I guess. I mean, it's yeah. It it it, it's, it, like it very much doesn't make sense. I agree. It, it, yeah, it, it's an old movie trope thing. I don't. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, it's like you're blind. You can't hold a job. This is the only money you could get is begging and selling pencils. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not begging if you're selling. Yeah, technically. Does that um, mean he paid for a pencil? And he wasn't giving it to charity then. Oh yeah, exactly. did he take a pencil? No, he didn't take a pencil. He just gave him a dollar. He should have taken a pencil. After that, we have third and most <laughs> famous 
kill of this movie. Yeah. The trombone sequence. Okay. Or several things about this made me like go, huh. The extended prom sequence where I guess it's to show like establish that she plays the trombone and like shows a bit more of the community. But then it cuts to the secretary drinking booze. That's the same secretary from the spark plug scene in the police station, by the way. Oh, when uh, so that lady keeps calling about her dog or whatever. Super unnecessary. Uh, yeah. No, the secretary that's making faces at spark plugs shows up again as the lady drinking at the prom. Oh, the older and they're tra- they're spiking their own cup of juice. Yeah. Punch. <laughs> I she has a funny face and uh, her, they, her they, face just kind of creeps me out. They <laughs> keep showing her though. Like she's also the lady that's nailing a curtain above her window when they're talking about how scared the town is. Like she has what? a recognizable face. I will definitely say she stands <laughs> out. She stands out too much because she kind of looks goofy when she makes the ooh, I'm drunk face. <laughs> How's she drunk? She hasn't even, like, taken a sip yet. No, but that's also the face she makes when Sparkplug threatens to shoot the lady's dog. It looked like she was interested in him. I'm like, ew. Fl- flirty old lady. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's interested in him. Lady. Yeah, drunk lady. Yeah. Um, She carries it in her purse. But, and... I also made note of the fact that they made it a prom in the movie, whereas in real life she was leaving her work. Because when we were watching the movie, Amber even pointed out, wait, she had to play through her prom? That sucks. <laughs> yeah, well, Maybe it was a different school, too. Like, Yeah, that was, that, that was how we justified it. Like, maybe she's playing at another school's prom? Yeah, like, yeah. or maybe... Cause like did did they outwardly state how old um that character was? Was she a high school student? In the movie, they didn't say. In real life, she was fifteen. Yeah, cause I, like cause I mean, I thought that actress like she clearly did not look like a high school student to me. So I was like, oh, maybe this is a gig for her. But like that, if was that the school band? Yeah, that was a, it. Was her senior prom? That sucks that you have to play at your own senior prom. <laughs> <laughs> i know right sucks. <laughs> like just hire someone else yeah well i mean that that makes sense that in real life it was her job at a club for yeah. veterans and they already established the whole veteran world post-world war ii thing earlier in the movie so it would have made sense to just have it be at the veterans club again yeah instead they made it a prom i'm yeah. not sure why unless they were trying to appeal to the whole teen victim thing because those characters appear to be the youngest victims in the movie. Ooh, do you want to know a fun fact about the actress who played the trombone girl? Sure. Uh, she eventually went on to marry Charles B. Pierce, the director of the movie and the actor who played Sparkplug. Oh. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. They divorced. But yeah, I thought that yeah. was interesting. I was like, huh, he married the trombone girl. Anyway, that trombone sequence, I don't know if we already talked about it. I'm pretty sure we did kind of extensively earlier. Oh, oh well, yeah, a little bit, but we can. <laughs> it was just crazy. Okay, the same thing happens in that scene that made me go, what the hell are they doing at Lover's Lane? It's like, oh, you don't got to be home till later, right? Let's go in the bushes so I can lay my head on your shoulder and fall asleep. <laughs> No, in his case, he was his head was on her oh, shoulder. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They, all they want to do is just literally sleep. And like, she's like, come on, I'm going to be late. He's like, nah, come on, girl. Five more minutes. Like, you're just sleeping. Go home and do that. But we can't sleep together. That's the whole point. I mean, that was, I guess that was their version of love and lover's lane. 
even though we know that's not, <laughs> not true. really. I we, mean, we love to true. sleep. It's yeah. still not true. I just—it's kind of funny that that's what they chose to censor in this movie. Like they have the horrific <laughs> violence, know, right? sure, but no couple's neck in it. I guess they didn't really show anything sexual in this movie. That's true. Maybe they, they wanted to nah. stray away from that horrible part that really did happen. That's true. They not only removed the fact that he sexually assaulted his victims, they also removed the consensual sex between the couples. <laughs> yeah. I just found it funny that in the scene, the Phantom kind of walks up and he's like staring into the car. Yeah. And he doesn't decide to do anything until the car is moving. And then I, I kind of thought that like, I mean, I'm not going to like pretend like I know what I would do in that situation, but i was like dude you're in the like you're driving the car and he's hanging on by the door like you have the upper hand right now the other thing is when he gets pulled out of the car and the car is rolling were 50s cars like did they like accelerate by themselves if nobody was behind the wheel (laughs) i mean they were definitely more heavier because he pulls the dude out of the car and the car just keeps on going and she's screaming from the passenger seat and it's not slowing down I i don't i know nothing like <laughs> didn't she hop into the driver's seat to no, try to drive it no she never even tries to do that she just grabs no. the wheel and crashes it into a tree uh, as right. it speeds through the bushes for some reason by yeah. itself i think it's just one of those scenes that requires the characters to be stupid you know what i mean <laughs> in order to yeah. work i mean but like i would have yeah, put the was... car in neutral I mean, at the very yeah. least maybe she didn't know how to drive that's why she was getting picked up i don't know i'm reaching I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a stretch. That's why in real life it makes sense that he ambushes them more realistically without the car moving. Yeah. Right. I guess I guess the director just really wanted that action sequence, the fake out. Maybe like, oh, they're going to get away and then you're like, no, no, they didn't get away. Yeah. The fact that we know the date means they didn't get away. Yeah. Thanks for the ride, lady. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the ride, lady. Thanks for the ride. Uh, I forgot what I was going to say. That's my fault. (laughs) Okay, so he grabs her, right? And he's dragging her back to the car. And she's like, no, no, don't hurt me. Please don't hurt me. And then it like the audio like dips. And she's like, no, like she's screaming. No, no, no. And then she's like, no, 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 no. (laughs) <laughs> no, please don't. Oh, uh, no. You, you know what I mean? Like, it, it drops in and out of the scene. Yeah, and they, they definitely, like, take that one line and just loop it over and over again, right? Because that's what it sounded like to me. Yeah, definitely. Like she, wasn't, she wasn't saying this, like, of her own accord. Like, they just took that one line and just kept repeating it and looping it. That, it's and not, they yeah. reused the scream from the first scene. Yeah, that... Oh, yeah, that's... Yeah. And then the, the boyfriend... Yeah, he just, like, gets up and he tries to walk away very, very slowly. She's being attacked. The boyfriend looks up and is like, oh, no, and, like, starts to back away. And she goes, run, look, run, run away. And the killer looks up like, oh, crap, he's awake. (laughs) Like, way to give away (laughs) him actually trying to escape. Yeah. (laughs) I like how he just... Yeah, but if she didn't say anything, he could have possibly have snuck off. But yeah, and then that takes us to, like, one of the most ridiculous kill scenes I've seen. The trombone? Yeah, is that not... Do you not think yeah. that's not the most ridiculous scene in the movie? 
I think that's the best scene of the movie. I think it's, it's the pretty. best, but it is pretty ridiculous. Yeah. In terms of like, I mean, of all the instruments, I, I agree that it's the best. Scene. I, I think it's the scariest <laughs> scene, other than her going, ah, oh, ah, oh, every time she's stabbed. Yeah, the hits when she's getting stabbed, like, ah, oh, ah, oh. like, um, she kind of sounds yeah. constipated more yeah. than getting stabbed. But him breathing and going <gasps> every time he does it was really, really <laughs> effective. I thought it was really creepy. Yeah, he's doesn't sound too good playing a trombone, though. I will say no. that. Can't no, exactly not... blow with a mask on. He's had no <laughs> training at all. Well, like I thought, I thought that whole sequence from the moment that he like first attacks them to like her eventual death, I thought it was effective. But you, like, I, I was definitely in the mindset of like, okay, this is chilling and it's effective. But I also, I, I was just like, this guy just MacGyvered a trombone knife, like, <laughs> like. As affected as I was by that scene, I was like, this is also crazy ridiculous. <laughs> I also did appreciate that there was no music. Like, he kind of just, like, like it was a very quiet scene of him, like, stabbing her and her yeah. reacting to it. If they had added music, I would have hated it. Yeah, I, I think it. that yeah. The, yeah. since the, there was no music in that scene, it made it more raw. Yeah. It felt natural, I guess, yeah. for such an unnatural scene. And I think that's why the scene really stood out too, because that's weird. You're using a trombone to stab somebody. That's creative. Well, if you even say that later, he has a twisted imagination, which just means the director does, because that didn't even happen in real life. Right. What doesn't happen in real life? The trombone. She played a saxophone. Oh, oh, right. Oh. Uh, did he use any instruments for any kind of torture? No, he just had his pistol. Oh, okay. Yeah. And a rifle eventually. Yeah, like like I said, the, the director definitely took some artistic license. Because that's not at all what happened to them. But only the names have been changed and the methods of kills and the <laughs> and the entire motivation behind everything. Yeah, basically and everything like but the everything. name of the town. But no, the town's <laughs> the same. That's still mm. yep. Yeah, they dreaded sundown. Yeah. I loved that montage, by the way, of showing that the gun shop was out of guns. And like the locksmith, like I thought that was such an effective scene. Yeah, it sh it really shows the panic, the panic state of everyone in that town. Come to think of it, the only other movie that does that is Scream, which would make sense. If there's a serial killer targeting kids, there's got to be a panic and a curfew. And in yeah. fact, in Scream, they straight up mention the town that dreaded sundown as like, this place is like the town that dreaded sundown. Come to think of it, shouldn't all horror movies when there's an active killer have a curfew and lockdown like that? Absolutely would be if there was a serial killer out there. Like, yeah. I feel like a curfew would be mandated. I think it's because in most movies like Friday the 13th and Halloween and things like that, the murders usually happen over the course of a single night. True. Yeah. Where a scream in the town that dreaded sundown it happens over the course of like a week or in dreaded sundown. It was the months. course of a few months. Yeah. Yeah. It gives them time to panic. Whereas in a lot of those movies, people don't react until the last reel. And by then that's when all the killings are discovered. Right. Like all the body counts are towards the end of the movie. Yeah. But then again, in movies like Friday the 13th, you figure all of the locals would be like, Nope, no partying here. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So after that, we have the diner scene where Ranger Morales and 
Ramsey go to dinner with that psychologist. Oh, yeah. I um. really liked that scene. Black waiters aside. Um, <laughs> Damn. <laughs> just, just saying. Um, yeah. No, I really liked that scene because they're talking about the psychological whatnot and like that whole scene is built up trying to get into the mind of the killer and why yeah. it's so difficult for them. And the killer's in the background with his back to them, just kind of nodding like, yup, I'm awesome. <laughs> yeah. I I did. I appreciated that scene for kind of like giving reasoning behind why the killer is doing what he does. I just, I thought it was like, for me personally, I was like, this is not dinner conversation. You're in a public restaurant. <laughs> no public dinner <laughs> conversation. Yeah, and I was like, there's people like all around you and you're talking about like, oh, like he's biting these like these women's breasts and like murdering them and it's sexual deviant. And I was like, there's like a middle aged woman like two feet away from you enjoying dinner. I was like, is this not something that could have been taken care of at the station? Well, even the (laughs) fact that at one point he says, you don't know anything about this killer and he knows everything about your investigation. And I thought. Maybe yeah. it's because you're announcing it in a <laughs> diner that he has no idea who this killer is. And then the yeah. killer walks away like, huh, I guess I'm safe. I know. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm all good. Yeah. They just admitted they don't know anything. And it's like it's like private information that maybe should have been kept at the station. But now they're just like announcing it. And like I, I was like, this is all supposed to be like, didn't didn't Morales say in the beginning of the movie that if they wanted to know any information... They can get it through the newspaper, but like I will and gladly this... shout it in the middle of a busy restaurant, and I'm or sure a barber the... shop. <laughs> I'm sure the whole town yeah. would be listening in too, because like yeah. they want to know what's going on. So like, yeah, like, <laughs> I'm not talking the to time, the press. <laughs> at the time, rumors were running rampant, and I was like, "This is maybe not the best place to talk about your super secret information." <laughs> I know when he shows up and he, at the barber shop, he's like. They found him on Robinson Road and da 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 and like the barber is like, I'm trying to ignore you and cut your hair. And all the other customers are just kind of like, they're talking rather loud. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't even finish cutting his hair. I don't even think he started cutting his hair. He combed it and then he got paid for it. <laughs> he's like, thank you. Yeah. And then, I, and then Morales just decides when he's done. And I was just like, okay, we're done with this haircut. And I was like, what if he was like mid-shave? I know, like half of it off. (laughs) Yeah, questionable places to discuss this case. Oh, you know what? I did miss a bit in the prior scene before the murder. The decoy scene. Oh, yeah. Yes. uh, It took me a while to remember. Yeah. The decoy scene is one of my favorite scenes because of how funny it is. Yeah, it is funny. (laughs) For like a split second, it turns into some like it hot for some reason. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The guy, like the other like police officers, like feeling up spark plugs, fake balloon boobs. Are those made in Japan? Oh, yeah. That was the funny. (laughs) (laughs) Like, really? Did he just say that? I liked what he said. He's like, watch your hands. Hey, we have to make this look good. I might get a little hug in before the night is over. Like, what? Why? Yeah, I gotta get my sexual harassment in. But yeah, like, I mean, like for a moment, it turns into an entirely different movie, and you're just like, this is a movie about yeah. multiple it's... murders, right? Like, <laughs> like as yeah, much as I enjoyed like... that scene, and I did, I was just like, this movie is about murders, a true case of murders. It totally and, changed like... directions when yeah. they did that. 
It happens honestly, a lot in the movie. Honestly, I think it kind of works in that instance because I'm laughing at Sparkplug and all of their silly cop antics, and then immediately I'm led into a scene where a girl's being killed with a trombone. Yeah. Like, yeah. it totally has a stark contrast, and it really worked there. But earlier, it happens after a killing, and it's just like a long, oh, Sparkplug can't find the keys moment. You know what I mean? That oh, yeah. felt very <laughs> dragged out and it really unnecessary. Did. In the case like, where do they of... hide the keys, Sparkplug? And I was like, dude, uh, it's so early in the movie, too. I think that's why it didn't work. But yeah. later on when they do it, it's right before a kill. So you're kind of like, I was still kind of in a laughing mood. And then I was like, oh, yeah, this is a horror movie. This is yeah. a great scene. I feel like if that was the only comedy scene, the whole movie would have been great. Yeah, yeah, I can see that because that scene was kind of that also stood out when I think of that movie. I think of the, the fat, gross guy <laughs> feeling up spark. Wanting plug. some hugging. <laughs> get some hugging in before the night's over so that's what they do in lovers lanes in this movie they gotta they get hug. their gotta get their hugs in yep they hug and sleep watch the hand watch the hand yeah they say it twice <laughs> he's hitting him with his wig no as soon as he like grabs the toilet paper that's stuffed down his dress he pretty much like the wig comes off and it freaks out well, he hits him with the wig. and I, he... I like how it cuts on that, though. He's like, ah! It's <laughs> super quick. I, I lost it. I was laughing. So that scene comes right before the, the third murder? I'm pretty sure it happens right before the trombone scene. Oh, right before the trombone scene. Okay. The movie definitely feels chaotic to me in very, that sense. Like, it's very chaotic. all over the place. Mm -hmm. and, and talk about wasting time. That whole sequence, like, right after the diner, the diner, the dinner scene, there's an extended sequence where a black like the black guy comes in and he's describing a possible suspect. Like he was robbed at gunpoint by a white guy who stole his money and threatened to shoot him and then he confessed to killing the couples. That scene is like two minutes and it's out of focus. Yeah. <laughs> that whole scene is not only out of focus, it's entirely done in close-ups. Yeah. Yeah. Out of focus close-ups and very dry explanation of what happened yeah i wonder though if they like um because i noticed that it was closed up or close up too i kind of wondered like if maybe because that was do you remember how you mentioned that the movie had like they involved the locals a lot yeah yeah like actual townsfolk like i was wondering if they had just like pulled this guy off the street and maybe he was like fidgeting with his hands too much because he was nervous and it like fucked up the scene so maybe they closed up like they did a close-up yeah he totally had a vibe of he was nervous he yeah like he did not look prepared him. for this at all <laughs> yeah now that you mention it they do do that technique in like a lot of movies especially with high definition where they'll shoot everything in a wide and if they need to cut to a close-up they can and you can't tell if it's high definition but that would explain why the whole scene is out, of is out of focus if they did it then yeah right oh they probably shot it in a medium and then realized his hands looked funny and cut to cut it to a close-up well we we don't know for sure because we weren't there but but yeah. that makes the yeah, most sense it does he's he's de he definitely was one of the locals that they brought in for the yeah. movie 
Definitely. He kind of yeah. stood out. Like, there's a few actors in that movie that were definitely nervous. It's funny yeah. because they use so many amateur actors in the movie that I could spot when there's a real actor. Like, Ramsey, uh, Morales, and then the last female victim. I could tell they were actually actors. Yeah. Yeah. What oh, was the next scene? Well, uh, right after that, it was that extended chase sequence that was in slow motion for some oh, reason. Yeah. Was it played for laughs? Why? Too? Maybe they need it to be longer. Like it went by too quickly, and they wanted to pace it out slower. Or he just wanted another chase scene, but it was too long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was long, and then it was also comical too, because like, it, of course, it was another spark plug scene where he drives like absolute <laughs> shit. And then he like catapults their car into the into the lake and almost kills them. And I was like, okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> that fool would be fired so fast. I, I was gonna say, from... I was like, after the first time that he almost got them killed, you'd think they put somebody else as their driver. Especially this guy is a Texas Ranger that all of you like revere. Don't put the idiot rookie in charge <laughs> of driving him. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they thought he could handle it because everyone else did that when they were a rookie. I don't I guess. Know. But I was like, this is the guy who couldn't find the keys and they were hanging on the wall right there. Well, and then, like, before that, he threatened somebody and had to be reprimanded for threatening a citizen. Yeah. And this yeah. is the one we're going to trust to, like, drive around this, like, super famous, like, cop that they brought in from, I don't actually don't know, Texas? Yeah, he's, he's a from. Texas Ranger, like a state trooper. Yeah, and he was like, he's precious cargo, and they put him in, like, they put, like, the idiot driver in charge of him. I know, right? I just like the fact that in that scene of him looking for the keys, Morales is just amused with how dumb everything is. He's like, hmm, this is fun. I know, Like, right? you're in a hurry. <laughs> like, you got a murder on your case. He's like, all right, I'll find the keys. We got this. <laughs> and then he proceeds to almost kill him. In that scene, if you notice, uh, when a car is being launched for movie effects, they have a springboard or like a kickboard that cars and other objects can fly off of. It's basically a giant, well, ramp, right? Yeah, it's a ramp that pretty much explodes when they like want to lift up a object. I don't. I don't think they use a springboard from this for this movie. No? Budget wise, they probably literally built a wooden ramp and launched the car into the river. Anyways, you could see the pieces of wood like on the right uh screen. Like right corner. under the car. Yeah, right underneath the car, you could see the wood pieces flying off. I'm like, really? You know what bugs me about that entire scene though? Is right after they arrest the guy, he's like, Yes, I'm the phantom. They put him in the <laughs> car, they you got me. Yeah, they drive away. The voiceover goes, and then later on, they found out he was not the Phantom. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? so that whole scene was pointless. Yeah, I guess they really wanted to put a car in a lake. I want to say that maybe it was like a reference to all the people who are falsely. Well, wait, did that even happen? Like, um, because throughout the movie, they had people who are falsely, um confessing to the crimes when they really weren't the phantom did that happen in the in real life were there a lot yes, of people claiming actually in real life that same exact thing happened guy robbed the black dude uh oh. he went to the police they ended up chasing the guy down they didn't catch him but according to gonzalez the real life counterpart to morales 
if he was really the phantom, why wouldn't he have just shot him when he robbed him? Yeah. He was never convinced the dude was the phantom to begin with. But either way, there are way more compelling suspects than that guy to spend four or five minutes of the movie on. Yeah. yeah. But he did get a cool chase sequence out of it. That's true. Yeah. I just like that whole that whole chase scene was really played for laughs again. I feel like maybe maybe it's like a director's tick. Like, you know how, like, Michael Bay has to have the camera moving at all time? He does yeah. not like it when the camera's not moving. Maybe every scene where there's a car, he feels that he needs to have it drive like an action movie. <laughs> I am I think, I want to say that Boggy Creek 2 had a scene like that. Like, the <laughs> car was driving all crazy, and then it got stuck in the mud, and then there was, there was two young women wrestling in the mud. It's a, a long story, but, <laughs> yeah. <Okay. laughs> Maybe it's available really on Amazon like... Prime. I kind of want to watch it. Wait, Boggy Creek yeah, Two or The Legend totally. of Boggy Creek? Boggy Creek Two and the Mercury Science Theater version. Ugh, watch them. I mean, I mean if you want to watch it straight, you can watch the first one. But I highly recommend the MST3K version. It's really fucking funny. I love that show. <laughs> I used to watch it all the time when I was little. Yeah, if you just like dudes making fun of really bad movies. You'll like that show. I just realized recently that Beavis and Butthead were an animated music video version of that show. Yeah. Yeah. They're basically riffing on like ridiculous music videos. Moving on to the third <laughs> and final victims. I keep saying the third. I don't, I'm not actually numbering them right. Yeah. Like the, I think it, I like, think we, I get mixed up because like I forget that the first set of victims weren't murdered. So yeah, it's the fourth attack, but the third murder. Right. Yeah. Unless you yeah. count them individually. And see, that's where I'm messing up, too, because mm -hmm. technically this is the fifth murder, but the third a a attack? The third, because it's the third murder? Because the first, the first couple survived. Yeah, it's the third murder, fifth victim killed. Yes. Yeah, it, it just kind of confuses <laughs> me. Yeah. Um... This whole scene, I think, is the best, like, as far as filmmaking. Because it starts off with her in the grocery store, and then he follows her home, and then you have the establishing shot of them at the house, and then mm -hmm. the glass breaking. The whole scene plays out exactly as it did in real life. Yeah. No music. It's just, like, a, a really intense chase sequence. Yeah. It's very scary. Yeah. I think... I mean, I really feel the trombone scene is actually the scariest scene of the movie but i agree as far as good filmmaking i feel like this was the best there was only one little i don't want to say nitpick i always say nitpick there's only one small <laughs> thing that made me go huh what? was how brightly lit they were in the chase scene and the moon is yeah. behind them uh, <laughs> like if the moon was behind them they wouldn't be <laughs> They wouldn't be in the shadow, or they wouldn't be in the light like that. Yeah. But other than that, that's not something most people are concerned with. Yeah, interesting right. how that's where the lighting starts to finally work. As opposed to the first scene where I couldn't see shit. It was overlit in the in that scene. <laughs> but yeah, I, d I did like that, like, um, uh, when she's running through the cornfield, I just like being on the ground with her. Because, like, I, I feel like that you're really, like, with her in her fear and her panic. Yeah, that and the whole like shot in the face thing. I yeah, Ugh, as weird as terrible. it sounds, I enjoyed the fact that they didn't die right away after being shot in the head. Yeah, it felt more realistic because a lot of movies seem to imply that lights out, you're done. 
but that's not how that happens in real life yeah unless you're like an insanely good shot straight to the dome but like she would like in the in the real case she was shot through the jaw and then right in the in the mouth uh the the cheek and the jaw yeah so you would definitely survive that at least like she got she got help when she did but like you that would not be a shot that would take you down immediately and die. Well, even her husband in the movie got shot in the head twice and Ooh, he yeah. was alive enough to gurgle and like kind of reach for her before falling over dead. Yeah. I kind of liked that like detail there. You don't always die immediately from being shot in the head. And in his case, he was like, ah, for at least a few seconds. Yeah. yeah. Felt more realistic. Yeah. It felt more real to me, like raw. So that coupled with the fact that there's no music in that scene really, yeah, really played well. Thankfully, there was no music. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the music that, is God, could like, you imagine how, like, that would have fucked the scene up so much if they tried to put in, like, really, uh, like, I don't know, whatever their opinion of thrilling music would be. It, it would have messed up the scene so bad. I feel like it was much better. Just played straight, no music. I think... That's probably why spark plug scenes are the only ones with music. Yeah. It makes most of the killings really raw and like gritty. The only time they don't is when they find the victims. But again, all the cop <laughs> scenes have music. Yeah. Right after that, they add a detail that seems really odd and is totally untrue. Where Morales in the movie says, all we know is they were killed using the same gun as the others but that's not true in real life at all but they felt the need to include that line in the movie yeah like in terms of like all the things that they decided to change in the movie like him changing it from a 32 pistol to a rifle is like the least bad there was a trombone kill scene in this movie well fair enough but i just find (laughs) little details like that interesting like it doesn't even allude to the idea that maybe there was a different killer or Maybe the first attack wasn't connected because obviously they're trying to make a slasher movie out of it. But yeah. the entire latter half of the movie, latter, later half. How do you say that? Latter. Later. The last 20 minutes of the movie <laughs> didn't happen at all in real life. And the whole sequence is just sort of a bizarre. <laughs> is there a way to wrap a movie that they feel like needed a closure of some sort? That's true. It would have been very dry if it had just ended after that, but that's real life. It just yeah. ended after that. I did read when I was reading up on the movie that the actor who played the deputy, he ended up writing the ending of that movie because when he got the script, there was no ending. So that's just what you got. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that makes yeah. a lot of sense because how do you end that? That's what happened. It just yeah. ended. And it still really didn't have an ending. Like they chased him. He gets shot in the leg through the train, and then it cuts he's... to a swamp, and then the voiceover. I was like, well, what kind of ending that. is this? He's walking around Lover's Lane, broad daylight with his mask on, yeah. like <laughs> overlooking a quarry for some reason. Like, what is he doing out here? I don't know. That's his new home? Living. Does he just, does he just wait outside of possible Lover's Lane areas for someone to potentially drive by yeah, like jason they did find the car that was stolen but i don't know who knows how long that car was there maybe he just lives out there it's his natural habitat i assumed it's what he was driving yeah that's what like the the first car the the first couple that was shot and the cop 
comes across their bodies, the killer takes off in their car. I think. Wait, no. No, it was a cop car. It was a different car. Oh, man. (laughs) There are three black cars in that scene. (laughs) Yeah. Right. The victim's car, the killer's car, and the cop car. Okay. And that, but there, there is a car that one of the deputies comes across at the very end of the movie, right before they enter the quarry and they see the killer. They were just like, this is the car. This is the car that was stolen. And I was like, whose car is that? Whose car? It's the one that was stolen. Yeah. Because whose car was stolen? Yeah, he radios for help in his car, runs off, spots the other car, and it drives off and he decides to not shoot at it with a shotgun for some reason. So whose car was the one that they found at the end, right before the chase? I thought that was the killer's car, or unless he stole the victim's car? I mean, it might have been some other stolen car, but I do remember when they, they come across it, there's another anonymous deputy that calls over Morales and the, the main deputy. I should really know his name. But uh, he was just like, oh, this is the car. This is the exact car that was stolen. And I was like, whose car was stolen? Whatever. I don't I'm think not, they I'm had that try to detail earlier in the movie. Like Amber said, this this movie's chaotic. Like, I'm really supposed to understand what's going on. <laughs> After they shoot at him from the quarry, they miraculously catch up to him and chase him through the bushes where there is a boom mic in the bottom left corner, by the way. <laughs> okay um he manages to run in front of a passing train which okay that scene is kind of cool but (laughs) from the sequence as it plays out it looks like he runs at the train the film cuts to him on the other side of the tracks but if you pay attention to the close-up the actor really ran in front of that train Mm -hmm. but there was no wide shot of it from that angle so you could barely tell that's a waste of an incredibly dangerous stunt or they just cut it really badly then, yeah and then <laughs> go and ahead then. Are, are we are we gonna talk about the same thing i was about to say he runs along the train instead of continuing through the bushes <laughs> yeah, that's not oh, yeah. that's not what i was gonna say but that's hilarious why are you running along with the train dude this is your chance they're kind of just strafing with their shotguns like we got him wait for an <laughs> opening in the tracks like yeah. no dude turn well, run straight back into the forest <laughs> Which he ends up doing anyway after being hit by the bullets. Yeah, now he's mortally wounded. And like I was like, this is not the time to finally get your shit together. You had a chance. <laughs> he oh, could no. have just kept going straight. They would never have caught him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But also, anyway. that's not what I was going to say. I was going to mention the biggest sin of that whole sequence. The slow motion <laughs> cameraman? Yeah, and you can see... He, like, there's a cameraman, and you can see him on top of the train. And it's not like a like blink and you'll miss it it's like a a good three seconds where you can see this dude and they just left it in it's in slow motion too yeah and i was like that's that's a guy it looks like he's shirtless and he's carrying a camera i was like how could they possibly leave it in but then you said before that maybe this is the only good shot (laughs) they were just like gonna have to use it i feel like that's the same reason why they messed up the running in front of the train stunt they probably only had the train for a day or a few hours (laughs) like we got to film this now crap we missed it screw it we'll fix it in editing because there's a few shots that are pov of them shooting at the train the camera's pointed at them with no train i imagine they shot those as inserts from when they didn't get enough footage of them shooting at the train yeah right and that's probably why they slowed it down oh that's (laughs) true the train's going by really fast well we'll do it in slow motion there's a cameraman there Eh, we'll insert a shot of them pointing their guns at the camera But the worst part of that sequence, I would say, that really kind of threw me off 
was that scene ends with whistling. Oh, Whist- gosh. Whistling? Yes. So, so, so bad. They're like, oh, he seems to have gotten away. And Morales is like, yeah, but at least they'll know that we've been here. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what, what the Sorry. fuck it's is like, that? Did I miss this? It's not only just like a little, oh, yeah, that's just a little mistake. It keeps going and going. Because <laughs> you know what it is, is... It's the sound of them calling the hounds because he uh. you hear the whistle and then Morales goes, get the bloodhounds round. And then you hear it again, the and then the dogs barking at the whistle. But then they loop that sound effect of the dogs barking, but they <laughs> include the whistles. And through that entire sequence of them going, he may have been lost in the bogs. People don't make it out of here alive. You can hear the dog barking <laughs> and the whistling every couple of seconds. I must have missed yeah. the whistling. Like I, mu- I, I must it's have because I don't remember it. It's such a loud pitch too. It's like really hard. Like for me, when I hear it now, I just can't unhear it. It's so loud. Yeah. That and when we were watching it, we had our windows open, and I for some reason thought it was a neighbor like outside calling their dog because of how loud it was. Yeah. But then they played the same exact whistle again within a couple seconds later i'm like that's in the movie what the hell <laughs> exact same whistle Zuddy. just like the same scream yeah people always lack on the audio <sighs> gotta the make audio. do got a low budget on this <laughs> it was just weird because that was one of the bigger scenes that they decided to film and there were just so many mistakes <laughs> like this was yeah. like your big action scene like you had a whole train for it <laughs> And like you got a shirtless cameraman on top of the train. There's a, a boom, boom mic. Mic. And there's like <laughs> like questionable whistling. Like I was like, man, like this easily could have been the coolest scene in the whole movie other than the trombone scene. You fucked it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I'd imagine they had to ADR it anyway, because they probably filmed near a train and had no good audio. Uh-huh. They probably had <laughs> to loop it in. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Cause that train's gonna be loud. And then that's that's essentially how the movie ends, right? It's or it's like not really. There's one more little like stinger scene. At I the end. loved the stinger at the end yeah. of the movie. I I didn't realize too the movie that they're lining up to see is the town that dreaded sundown. I, I, I didn't realize that. I didn't I realize that it at was, all. I just thought everybody was at a movie in the seventies. I think that was a really great touch to have yeah. the town that dreaded sundown in the movie as a movie. Again, it gave off that found footage documentary vibe that the movie has and then the killer is supposedly in line to watch the movie that was a great twist like because the whole point of the movie is this isn't some deranged killer in the woods it's not some psycho random like loony this is a random neighbor this is the person you see at the grocery store and i think that end stinger of him in the movie theater line is amazing yeah he's like a regular dude like you and me who likes movies right and has also killed five people. <laughs> but I mean, how old must he have been? Are we assuming that the original killer was in his early to mid 30s at the latest early 40s? I don't know. He could have been a teen. Could have been. I mean, it's Texarkana. I'm sure a lot of young people hunted back then. So him being a crack shot doesn't necessarily mean he was in the military. So yeah, going by that logic, like 30 year, he would have been like 60. When the movie came out? Yeah, because the movie takes place in 46, but the movie, this movie was 76, so 30 years. So the killer in line would have realistically been around like <laughs> like 60s-ish. 
That's a good point. It didn't occur to me that the end sequence should have been more clear that the, that was the 1970s. Yeah. They didn't really yeah. say much other than the movie on the, the marquee and the, the very 70s dressed people in the line. <laughs> you didn't really know. The real killer had to have seen this movie. Yeah, you sure. You think? Wouldn't it? Like, if you were a serial killer that got away with it and they made a movie, wouldn't you have seen this movie? Yeah, I would have. But that's assuming that he was still out, because for all we know, he got arrested for another crime and was in jail for that. That's true. Like, the the suspect that they decided to not pursue because he was already in jail. Could I mean, he could still totally see this movie in jail, right? You have TV there. Yeah, yeah, actually. Yeah. Whoever he is, he's dead now because those murders yeah. happened 74 years ago. That long? Yeah, 1946 was 74 years ago. Oh, yeah. You had a very good point. This would be an old man who still has the same shoes after running through a swamp. <laughs> Unless yeah. he changed his shoes. He's got a thing for block loafers. <laughs> These are my lucky shoes. I use them to get away with murder. <laughs> I jumped I jumped a train in the <laughs> Oh god. Oh god. Okay, so did you have a favorite quote? Oh my gosh. All right, who wants to go first? Um You can You can. I have a feeling we all have the same favorite quote. I don't know, actually. <laughs> you don't know? I wrote down like eight. Oh, I only wrote down one and it was the only one that stuck with me through the whole movie. Alright. So my favorite quote happens very early in the movie. It's when the couple is talking in the car about the guy going to Japan and shit. And she says, I bet you miss Japan. All those Japanese girls scrubbing your back. <laughs> that was what? my favorite what? fucking quote. Oh, okay. <laughs> what? Why? Why did you think that I wrote that? Because it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> I, I did think that was kind of funny too. When I heard that, I'm like, really? I tried. Dude, I fucking tried trying to decide on another quote that could possibly beat that quote. And I got to the end of the movie and I was like, nope, that was the best quote. <laughs> okay. Not much serious like about this. I mean, there were serious parts of this movie, but the most memorable parts are the, the comedy bits, I feel, with the exception of the trombone. The point of asking you guys to write down a quote was to try to figure out what would be a great title for the episode. Oh. Because <laughs> okay. the... The episode titles for all of our podcasts have always been a random quote from the movie. Oh. Well, you can have Japanese girls scrub on your back as a title. I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> what was your favorite quote, Burr? Uh, oh, yeah. Mine would have to be uh, Shut Up Spark Plug. <laughs> <laughs> Just because it made me kind of go outside of the movie like, what? Wait, what genre is this again? It's funny because he's the most serious character in the movie. And nope, you've you've corrupted him. You've got him saying stupid crap. I have one that I think I would kind of want to title it, but I don't know if it's too serious or if I should go with a funny one. What okay. is it? Only the names have been changed. Oh, that would be pretty good as a title. Yeah. Just like, yeah. Because also, because like, iron like, ironically too, like, only the names have been changed wink wink except for the totally fictionalized trombone scene i put in yeah but yeah, yeah. i, feel, I the, feel like that would be a great title and the extended chase sequences when the, when the cop car <laughs> flies into a river right. <laughs> you know what's funny is uh that title kind of goes along with our podcast title you know where the title comes from right from the texas chainsaw massacre 
the trailer, the trailer for the Texas Chainsaw. The trailer yeah. says what happened was true. Yeah. No, it didn't. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Nothing in that movie was true. I mean, they were trying their best to stretch the truth. Yeah. No, the only thing true about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is what the crime scene looked like. <laughs> so I guess that wraps up uh, the town that dreaded sundown. Oh, can, are we going to rate it? Yeah, we have yes. to rate it now. Okay, out of five spark plugs, what do you oh give this God. one? <laughs> so I um, I feel like I might be generous with this, but I gave it a three and a half out of five. I just thought there's, we can all agree that there's some, there, there's a lot of shit with this movie that just didn't work. And yeah, he straight up made up a bunch of shit. Like nobody, nobody got stabbed with a trombone knife. But um. <laughs> And also there was there was a lot of questionable comic relief that I felt didn't really fit with this movie. And like we mentioned earlier, um, the movie probably would have been much better received uh, if they had just left all that com- like comic relief out. But the stuff that worked really, really worked well. Yeah. Yeah, like I agree. The, um, like I, I honestly enjoyed all of the the attack scenes, like even the opening one. I know they survived. And I know the lighting was really bad, but I, um, it set me up for a really good ride. And then the trombone scene was especially chilling. The last scene where you're kind of um, following the housewife who got shot through the face and you're kind of just on the ground with her. I thought that worked really well. So yeah, as, as much as this movie failed and it failed a lot, there's a lot that made up for it in my opinion. So yeah. 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 I mean, I agree. I, I my rating. I was gonna give it a three because it was fun. This was a fun movie. Like yeah. I remember it being way more like gritty and like horrible when I was younger. But of course, the random comic scenes were funny and out of place. But yeah, you pretty we're much covered funny. it. Yeah, you pretty much covered it. Everything in this movie that worked worked really well. Yeah. Other than the fact that. There's no clear narrative or main character. You get a sense that the town itself is one of the main characters. And I really appreciate how it's showing how it affects everyone as a whole rather than just focusing on an individual. I would say, yeah, I I was going to give it a three because I really liked all the funny bits. Granted, I totally forgot what movie I was watching when those scenes would happen but that movie was enjoyable and then all the horror like scary scenes were enjoyable i think if you cut out all the horror bits this would have been a pretty funny cop movie and if you cut out all the funny bits this would have been a great horror movie so all together it's just a fun silly ride yeah 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 i I agree with that i do want to say about my score when i've when I first finished the movie and I was writing like writing up my final thoughts, it like I did have it at a 3.75 out of 5. And then I looked up the case and found out like 90% of this was like made up and it was all artistic license. And then I took it down a notch because I was like, this motherfucker. <laughs> Is that a problem? Like... Yeah. I was like, dude, like you in the beginning of the movie, you legit say the like the only thing that's changed are the names. And then like 70% of the rest was also made up. Oh, like, I don't What's know. wrong? Man, I took it down it, it, like 0.25. I took it down a quarter of score. It's like watching the Blair Witch Project and being like, they lied to me. 
I'm no, erasing my bastards. five stars. <laughs> <laughs> the marketing worked. <laughs> I don't like being lied to. Anyway, but yeah. I, I um, still feel like I'm being a little generous with my score, but yeah. Three and a half. I guess I would have to rate it a not to steal your thing, Lex, but uh, three stars. No mm-hmm. decimal points this time. Almost every review you've given has had a decimal point. <laughs> Fine. I'll give it a 2.8. <laughs> no, stick to your just... true score, girl. No, stick to what your score was. Uh, To be honest, I didn't really have a score. I, I was kind of basing it off of your two scores and combining <laughs> what score I think was right, too. I, I think three is about a right score because you have, like, the overall story. It's pretty good, pretty entertaining, but there's so many things that fall apart, like the audio, for one, that really just, uh Yeah. You know... There was one part of the movie that I forgot to mention that just really stuck out to me for audio purposes was where, uh, besides the whistle and <laughs> like that scene, uh, there was a scene where when a sheriff is warning Sparked Plug, he pretty much says like towards the end, do you hear me? And as he's saying that, it, the audio like starts to drop down. Yeah, the, <laughs> she's talking about the scene where they introduce Sparkplug, okay. and Sparkplug's threatening the caller over the phone, and the sheriff is like, "You don't threaten citizens who call for help. Do you hear me?" Like, yeah, <laughs> no. sheriff. Like, did they mean to drop the audio right there? I don't know if it was intentional, but I just found it that much funnier. Like. I feel like they did that on purpose. But with this movie, I can't tell because the audio is just all over the place. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I would definitely rate it a three-star rating because there's issues. It was chaotic. It was all over the place. But there are moments that definitely stick with you, like the trombone. And I guess for me, him breathing in that mask, just like staring. Like there's just certain moments that just kind of stick. And it really shows that this killer is human like every one of us. And it could be any one of us. And just that thought alone was still interesting because it still applies to today's standards. I noticed in the movie, and I kind of like, because the killer has really bright blue eyes. So just because the murder mystery vibe to me, like, was kind of heavy... I was kind of on the lookout for characters with blue eyes, expecting it to be one of the other characters. Uh, like, I've never seen so many actors with blue eyes before. The <laughs> the Morales has blue eyes. The, they did that on purpose. <laughs> I feel like they did that on purpose, because even Sparkplug has a shot where it... I mean, the only way I would know it's not these characters is because they were all in that diner scene when the killer got up and walked out. Or yeah. the supposedly killer. It was implied. It wasn't even saying this is a killer. They just had that ominous music and close up of its feet. I know. It might have just been a random diner who's like, why are they talking about this at the diner? <laughs> but I'm I'm sure that he was who they intended him to be. That would be really weird. If, I don't know. I just, I loved the idea of a lot of the people in the movie could be a suspect. And I noticed that that weird guy that was introduced, the George Hartman, prominent member of the society, had blue <laughs> eyes. Yeah. And there's no other purpose for his scene in that movie. Yeah. So, well, yeah, that's my rating. That was a wrap for the whole podcast, right? Did you happen yeah. to check out the poster for the movie? 
I did. I mean, I saw it's just the the killer's head in the skyline, and then the ch- yeah. <laughs> And then in the bottom left corner, it says starring Ben Johnson. And this is a picture of the actor's like headshot. Oh, I didn't see that. (laughs) That's kind of weird. Like he's, he's clearly the most famous person in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. It's next to his title on the poster in (laughs) giant letters. That studio is really trying to sell that selling point, man. His name is as big as, (laughs) yeah, his, his name is as big as the title of the movie. Oh my God. Ben Johnson. Should have just put him in there, with like, a, looking yeah. at the sky. With a photo of him. And that's not even a photo from the movie. It's like a headshot from the actor. It's kind of weird. I, I feel like this movie, in the real town, the old people hate it, but the young people love it. I can kind of see that. Do you, mean, do you mean, like, the, like, sorry, do you mean, like, they hated it because they lived through it, and the young people yes. like, it's like, ooh, exploitation? Yes, I to- I could yeah. totally see that happening in that town. Yeah. Like the old people being like, this is disrespectful to their memory. And like the young people going, no, no, no. It honors them. Like when yeah. grandma got killed with a trombone, that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Only the names were changed, right? <laughs> yeah, right. So was Auntie a floozy? No, she wasn't. <laughs> Dropped out of high school. That's a wrap for the town that dreaded sundown. Yeah, uh, yeah, they didn't like the sun going down. If you have any comments, suggestions, email us at kindatruepodcast at gmail.com. This has been Lex. Amber. And I'm Mel. Thanks for listening. Did you catch the names of any of the characters in this movie? Spark fun. That's, <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got. I don't want to.